What's up, friends? If you haven't heard of Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution yet, you're in for a treat. Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution is all about innovative, top-quality products, from their own clothing line to brands such as Cookies and Supreme. They have delicious CBD drinks, lip balms, bath scrubs, vape pens, gummies, you name it. They also carry their own Denver-made line of CBD products, as well as Quantum Muscle Rub, Rehab, and many more. Visit them starting November 29th for their grand opening from 4 to 8 p.m. with amazing Black Friday deals, good music, and delicious food. We're coming up on that date, guys. Or check them out online today and have products shipped straight to your door. The inside of this Smoker Boutique is something you have to see for yourself. It was designed to inspire, motivate, enlighten people, and it does just that. We're talking huge murals of Nelson Mandela, Oprah, Martin Luther King Jr., and so many more with quotes and inspirational sayings across the walls. It is truly one of a kind, and you've got to check it out for yourself. If you can't make it out on Black Friday, remember to shop their products online at goldboys303.com. That's goldboys303.com. You'll receive 30% off site-wide on Black Friday. And if you're buying in bulk, call for your discount at 720-372-9843 or visit them at goldboys303.com and they'll take care of you. Gold Boys, where everything is gold. All right, Mace, let's jump into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Mace, how are you doing on this cold, chilly morning? I am steadily thawing out. <laughs> it got to down to what, about one degree? I think so. Overnight? Oof, frosty. <laughs> it may be Thanksgiving week, but it feels like Christmas around here. It, it seriously does. And Mace, there's one thing. That can warm all of us up in Broncos country. Whether you're in Denver in the freezing cold or you're on a beach somewhere, the news of Drew Locke being the starter. And it could come today. But before we discuss that, i got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, Strava Craft Coffee. This is the perfect drink to have, whether you're on that beach or whether you need something to warm you up here in Denver, Colorado. And it's the perfect, delicious coffee with a CBD blend. CBD, of course, Helps with pains, anxiety, migraines, aches, so much more that you may be having on this chilly, chilly day. So make sure you check them out. And when you do, use the magical code DNVR20 to receive 20% off. Mace, you put it perfectly yesterday. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Today could be Locksgiving. I hope so. (laughs) It might not be, though. It might not be. And Mace, you told me something very concerning when I saw you this morning. Well, we touched on this earlier this week. There appears to be a clear reluctance from parts of the coaching staff to put Drew Locke out there. And clearly they're seeing something they don't like, or this may be simply fear-based. I can't 
put my finger as to why. But it is interesting to think about this. You're coming down to the last five games of the season. I think we know Vic Fangio's job is, is secure. Yes. Mm. Are the assistants' jobs secure? Mm. Remember, Vance Joseph, after his first season on the job, jettisoned a bunch of assistant coaches. Yep. Even some that had come aboard that year. Yeah. Remember, Jeff Davidson lost his job after one season coaching on the offensive line. So I wonder if they're governed by this notion that, okay, we got to try to get some wins here. The problem is with that logic and why I would argue against it is do you really have a better chance with Brandon Allen having seen him? Now there's a book out on him. You just had your worst offensive game in 27 years. And it's only gone downhill from his first start. Everything, every metric has gone down (laughs) since that opening start, which basically, I mean, I'm going to pat myself on the back here. Sorry. It bears out my triple A spot starter theory on Brandon Allen. Of course. That's who he was. Yep. That's who he is. Oh. My goodness gracious. <laughs> you know, I'm actually right now, as we're talking, I'm going back through Broncos history. About to kill us with some facts? Yes. And I'm <laughs> looking up oh boy. yardage margin. Okay. In terms of total yards gained versus total yards allowed. In a game? In a single game. Okay. And... I'm scrolling through the data here. Of course, it's interesting. We can figure out exactly how many games the Broncos have had over the years. This is season number 60, and uh, you've got, in most seasons, anywhere from 14 to uh, 16 games a season. So you can do the math on that, and I just messed it up. That's a lot. Yeah. So Pro Football Reference, by the way, is an outstanding tool for this and they have a game search and a play search that is incredibly robust and I've I'm probably on this site three, four times a day. Oh yeah. So I started by looking for games all time in which the Broncos total yardage margin was was worse than negative one fifty. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yep. And there are 86 of these games. Okay. What the Broncos did Sunday, negative 290 in total yardage margin. Oh, boy. It is the 13th worst in team history. But, Zach, 12 or 11 of the first 12 came in the 1960s. So since the AFL-NFL merger, the only time the Broncos had a worse yardage margin in a game was in Philadelphia, 1992, when they were negative 306 in total yardage. Sunday against Buffalo, negative 290 in yardage margin. Oh, boy. Yet another example of how this was the worst performance in a couple of generations. 
Yep. For the Denver Broncos. Yep. And Mace, that's what doesn't make sense to me. If the coaches are trying to save their own job, mm-hmm. you got to do something different. Well, and this is where it also goes beyond the quarterback. Brandon Allen didn't play well, but neither did the defense. And clearly, the last couple of weeks, the Vikings and Bills have, oh, have blown a crack in the defense wide open with the no huddle playing up tempo. Right. And think about that. The Bills played up tempo, which means it wasn't exactly a game which the Broncos were limited in possessions. And with Brandon Allen, they still only mustered three points. Oh, man. You know what? If they announce that Brandon Allen is starting this game, <laughs> that sound you hear is going to be fifteen or 20,000 Broncos fans making other plans for Sunday. It will be. It absolutely will be. And Mace... Also, at that point, I don't think anyone's going to be able to defend the organization at that point. You know, you still have you have a lot of people that aren't defending the organization. I totally understand that. But the few people that are hanging on, I don't know how they can hang on after this. It makes sense to do it. It only makes sense to start Drew Locke. And to, to be fair, we are recording this before we talked to Vic Fangio this morning. But Mace, I think we have a perfect conversation regardless of oh. of if they choose Brandon Allen or if they choose Drew Locke and that's what the question of the week and of course the question of the week is presented by Sports Column you guys gotta go check it out on this chilly day get bundled up you can shoot hoops you can pretty much do everything there they have delicious drinks great drink deals some delicious food to to get you ready for the the holiday Ah, you can go down there and crack one open. (laughs) Exactly. You can crack one open down there. So make sure you check out sports column. And the question of the week was if the Broncos start drew lock the rest of the season, how many games will they win? Of course, Mace, there's five games left. Yes, there are. Let's start with Jim Eisenacher, Sir James radio. Who cares? Drew starting is the win. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I, I totally agree. Ryan Clayman says, might sound like a long shot, but I'm going to say five. He will bring a new energy for this team. That will make our 2020 season look promising. Oh, my gosh. That would make the 2020 se- season look incredibly promising if Drew goes 5-0. and And you know what? Bronco Tiz agrees. He has a gift. Points Whoa. to the number. Bye. Whoa. Texas Bronco says three against the Chargers, Lions, and Raiders. David Freeze says maybe three more wins. I don't care as long as he starts. The kid has a swagger that's been missing since Cutler. Can you imagine Locke and Rivers jawing back and forth? Oh, wouldn't that be fun? You know what? I have to say this. Peyton Manning had swagger. It was just in a different way. Right. It was, yeah, we see the persona off the field in commercials kind of a little bit uh, geeky and goofy. Yep. But and totally embraced it. Yes, but on field that dude had some swagger yep. and that's why I've never had a moment covering a game that put goosebumps all over me than when Peyton Manning strolled back in against the Chargers <laughs> back in January of oh, 2016. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That was magical. I <laughs> I get shivers thinking yeah. about it I just now. Got go- I just got goosebumps yeah. thinking about it, Mason. Oh, man. <laughs> remember those moments. When you're oh, in the world of suck, man. remember times like that. Yes. When number 18 came walking in. It was just like yeah. everything out of an old Western. You knew exactly. And you knew everything was going to be okay. You did. You knew it from the first play. Yep. He was totally in control. Yep. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that was fun. <laughs> Uh, next one, Luke Hutchinson says three, maybe four. 
Colorado Rebel says five and eleven all day. So that would be two more wins. Two more wins. Yep. Uh, Kyle says two, which is enough for me. Let's see. Mike Yesh says all of them, since we'll get a clear pick of what we need in the future. So basically saying, even if you lose, you win. Jimmy yeah. J. Green, Behavior Buff, says 16 guaranteed. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Nolan's Minecraft account says Locke is the guy. Three to five wins. Locke is not one in five. Samuel says, I hope for five or zero. Yeah. I If Drew Locke's in, I don't really care. I think it's all yeah. going to play itself out. If Drew Locke is in, you're rooting for the win no yeah. matter what because if he plays well, you found your quarterback, and that's the— the biggest win of all, if you go 5-0 and the rest of the way and Drew Locke is your quarterback, you don't care that you're picking number 16. You're like, we've got the yep. guy. And you know what? 5-0, and that's extreme, I know. 5-0 and would not be a false positive. No, no, not when you're playing Houston on the road, the Chiefs on the road. The Raiders might be playing for a playoff yep. spot in Week 17 as yep. well. And you'd probably be knocking them out. They'd be playing for everything. You'd be playing for nothing, essentially. Imagine how good that would feel. Oh, man. The best possible end of the season yep. is Drew Locke starting five games, the Broncos winning them all, capped with a win over the Raiders that knocks them out of the postseason. Then yep. you're feeling better maybe than some playoff teams. Yeah, and then you're 500, too. You don't even have that losing season that we talked about yesterday, And I know. Mace. That's not realistic. No, I don't think it is. Uh, and I'm going to get your take right after we go through these. Um, Big Moose Energy says two, Lions and Raiders. Brian Riley says, I'm not sure, but I hope Locke gets the offensive unit scoring more touchdowns. Let's break 24 points in all five games, and we might win them. Bradley Tomlin says he will pull a team, a team Tebow for Denver, but be better. Shark, did we do Sharknado? I don't think so. Okay, Sharknado says three. I want the guy to be good, but I could see an ugly three wins that makes Elway use a pick to bring in competition. Really quick, that would be three and two. That would be a winning record. I don't think that would be viewed as bad at all. No, I don't think so either. But what if he struggles? What if you're winning those games 10-7? Yeah. Yeah. That, I, yeah, it depends on how it is. That said, the defense is going to have to change some things to be in 10-7 type games because right. the last two weeks they've been exposed a bit. Exactly. Well, at least he wouldn't be throwing pick sixes at 10-7. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um, did we get them? I, I lost track. I'm going to roll through a, a bunch of them here. And Perfect. As I just see them here. We got we got Mile High Drizzy saying five. Dion, three. Tim, none. Kyle says two, which is enough for me. Ben, three. Another Ryan, two, with one being at home and the other being a road win with competent play throughout the games played. And that's where it gets interesting because if you go three and two with Drew Locke, assuming he does start Sunday, how did you get the three? Did you beat the... Chargers, Lions, and then the Raiders at home were the Raiders right. playing for anything. Right. If the Raiders were slumping and came in and you beat them and your wins are at home, that's okay. But what if you got thralled on the road? Right. If you really want to feel good about 2020, you get Drew Locke in there and Drew Locke has a good game in an upset win at Houston or Kansas City. That's the sort of game that gives you hope and promise 
for the next year. Put it this way. You know how NFL Films does its annual highlight film? Yep. And for bad teams, it's a stretch. It always involves either focusing on changes made in the offseason. <laughs> so basically it becomes a season preview. Right. Or focusing on some kind of signature upset win late in the season that tells you what is possible for this team going forward. So let's say Drew Locke plays and the Broncos win at Houston or at Kansas City. Their highlight film come next late spring, early summer, it leads with that game. Right. That's what it's all about. 100%. And let's say let's say you win one of those, but but you go 3-2, and two, so it means you have to lose one of the, quote, easier games. If it's this weekend against the Chargers, no one's going to blame him because that was his first career start. It, he only had, you know, three weeks of practice leading up to that. So that that would not be viewed by any means as a bad loss. And also, you have to look at the Chargers. They're getting Derwin James back, which is a big mm-hmm. deal for them. Phillip Rivers, has he had a fantastic season? No, he hasn't. But can he be a really good player, especially in Denver? Yes. Melvin Gordon and Asneka, could they go off? Yes. So it wouldn't necessarily mean like, oh, my gosh, they, they lost. In fact, they're going to be underdogs this week. Yeah. Phillip Rivers will probably throw up some lollipops, though. Remember that. A few more before we go. Lance says three. Fredo, we win as an organization if we start lock, regardless of how many wins. I agree. Ben says draft pick wise, I want it to be zero. If it was to show how good he'll be, then five. Dewey is taking the nihilist approach. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so Mace, does it matter? And who? How many wins does Drew Lock get if he starts these final five games? Two. Bingo. I totally agree with that number. And that means this team finishes 5-11. and 11. Yep. And 5-11 and 11 means you're 5-7 and seven since 0-4. Um, almost all teams that start 0-4 with close losses, as the Broncos had, finish between 5-11 and 11 and 7-9, and nine, which means that they're 5-7 and seven to 7-5 and five the rest of the way, showing that they normalized as right around a 500 team after a series of narrow defeats early in the season. So Mace, just knowing that, not knowing how Drew Locke plays, what's the conversation surrounding the quarterback position going into the offseason? Well, I think everything is around how Drew Locke (laughs) plays. I don't think they're out of the quarterback market. Yeah. Just in a vacuum looking at the win-loss ledger, But the question is, what kind of quarterback do you bring in? Right. Do you look at Drew Locke and say, well, we still think he can be the guy long term, but maybe we need to get through the next couple of years? If that happens, they may go back to their initial plan of Joe Flacco. Oh, but, boy. And here's why you can't. First of all, you do save $10 million by cutting him. And you have the cap carryover anyway. This is why it's... the the accounting of it didn't change with the restructure. It's just how you feel about the phrase dead money. Even though you're carrying the cap, you're carrying cap space over thus it's all coming out in the wash in the end. Number two, ask yourself this with Joe Flacco, how many other teams in the NFL would he be the clear starter for? I haven't. Can't think of any. No, I can't. 
I mean, maybe he starts in Detroit right now with Matthew right. Stafford on the shelf right. and Jeff Driscoll hurting. But I'm talking about when you're laying out your quarterback depth chart at the start of the year, how many teams other than the Broncos would choose to start Joe Flacco? No, none. None. I mean, is he appreciably better than Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami? No. No, I'd rather have Fitz. I would too. Because he's a little more dynamic, has a little more fire yeah. to him. Yeah. Teams with young quarterbacks that they want to grow, say, you know, Dwayne Haskins in Washington, no. Daniel Jones with the New York Giants, they're going to play their kids. They're not going to play Joe Flacco. Yep. What I'm saying is, literally, there is not another team in the league for which Joe Flacco could start. So how is he a viable solution, especially with a bunch of quarterbacks that are not great, but better, that are going to be on the market. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So, so I'd rather roll the dice on a Jameis Winston or a Marcus Mariota do anything, than Joe else. Flacco. I just don't, I don't want to see Joe Flacco on this team next I, year. We totally, I think everyone agrees with that. So, Mace. But that's a possibility. It is, it is. And if, if John Elway and Vic Fangio want to make Broncos country lose their collective minds yeah. at the end-of-season press conference, it would be to say, we've got hopes for Joe Flacco. We look forward to him coming back. Yeah, that would be a big shame because at least there's been something that the organization and fans have been able to rally around. It was, you know, Case Keenum coming off this magical season. Right. It was Joe Flacco. He's in his prime. You can't sell that again. You can't. You can't. And, and, and that's and, why I don't think it will be. And I would say this. If they come out and utter that, half of the Broncos organization, the business half of it, would just be face you'd, bombing. you'd hear the hands slapping against the foreheads yep, yep. at that because they'd be thinking, we can't sell this. Right, exactly. So, Mace, to, br- to bring it back to these final five games, how many wins do the Broncos get if they go with Brandon Allen the rest of the way? One. Which one? The Lions. Because I... Matthew Stafford may not be back and – the other options at quarterback for Detroit are horrible. I mean, you saw the Broncos against Jeff Driscoll in Cincinnati last year. Driscoll was dreadful. Yeah, very dreadful. Mace, I say with Drew Locke, the Broncos get two wins to end the season, and I'm happy about that. I'm feeling confident about Drew Locke moving forward because of just, we've seen what this offense is, and there's there's some pieces there, but there's a lot of holes. So if Drew Locke's able to do that in his first five starts, get two wins on a bad team, that would be encouraging for me. In fact, not to tip my hand on my picks, I think if Drew Locke's a starter this week, the Broncos finally eclipse 25 points. I think they get at least to 25 and they win against the Chargers this week, which would be a huge momentum going forward because they'll probably lose the next two on the road, and then they'll win one of the final two at home. Mace, if Brandon Allen is the starter, the Broncos go winless in their final five games, and they finish the season 3-13. and 13. At 3-13, and 13, Vic Fangio won't be on the hot seat, but should he be? If he's the one... I'll tell you he will not. That, but He, he I, won't be. But he, here's the thing. Vic, if, Vic if, Fangio's job is safe. And I underline safe five times, and I put it in bold and all caps. I, I totally agree. From what I've heard. I don't think 
he should be if he's not the one making the decisions. From everything I've heard from the John Elway run teams is John's the one making these decisions. But let's say John says, I want to get Lockett. I want to get Lockett. I want to get Lockett. And, and Vic's the one that says no, and they don't see Drew Lock and they go 3-13, and 13, then yeah, I have some questions about They can't not- eat that contract. Now, I think what yeah. happens then is if they go 3-13, and 13, you see some significant staff changes. You'll see some contracts eaten. Yeah particularly on the offensive side. Yeah. I don't think Rich Gangarello right now is safe. No, I agree. I agree. And I can't imagine he has a huge contract being a quarterback coach for two years, and, the, and I don't think they had to lure him with a massive contract. Well, they had to get permission from the 49ers, though, remember. But, yeah. yes, assistant coach contracts in the economics of football, in terms of length, they're shorter, in terms of, What's guaranteed, not even close right. to what you're talking about with the head coach. Right. But if they and and this is why I think this is pretty much on most of the offensive coaches. If they go three and thirteen, I could see a scenario where Mike Munchak may be the only offensive coach back. Mm, I wouldn't be shocked at that either. Mike Munchak's pretty darn safe. <laughs> yes, he is. And we've talked about this. I know that. People are frustrated with the offensive line, and Sunday was certainly not a good performance for the line. The Bills threw some change-ups at the Broncos that confounded them in pass protection. But with the exception of Garrett Bowles, across the board, that line is better in pass protection, doing better in terms of sack rate allowed, pressure rate allowed. It's improved. It's not where you want it to be, but it is, as a collective, going in the right direction. So you say that Drew Locke is a one-game improvement over Brandon Allen the rest of the way. I'm saying he's a two-game improvement. And why don't you just take it to a third game as we have a triple header on Thanksgiving that we all get to enjoy. Gobble, gobble. Starting at like 10 a.m. or something, 10.30 maybe, out in Detroit where you have the Bears. Three-point favorites going into Detroit to play those Jeff Driscoll led lines. Mace, who do you got? Bears three point favorites. Well, remember, it may not be Jeff Driscoll mm. in this game. Who of might course, it be? Jeff Driscoll was listed on the injury report oh, coming out of boy. last weekend. <sighs> He's got a hamstring problem. He was limited Tuesday, so there's a decent chance. Who would their quarterback be? Well, it wouldn't be Matthew Stafford. Nope. Because he's still on the shelf. It is the pride of Purdue University. Who? David. I believe it's David Bluff. Oh, my gosh. I think that's how it's pronounced. Now, don't quote me on this. And if you're a Purdue fan out there, you might be correcting me right now. But I'm pretty sure it's Bluff because there's a, a great former... English soccer manager, may he rest in peace, named Brian Clough. If you ever saw the film The Damned United, it's a somewhat true, somewhat false retelling of a portion of his coaching life. But he was a legendary manager, uh, mainly for Derby County and Nottingham Forest from the 1960s through uh, 1993. And that's why I think his name is pronounced Bluff because it would rhyme with Clough. So are you and rolling? It's the same. Are oh, you rolling with the the Bluff Lions? 
Are you calling their bluff? <laughs> this one, I want... The I'm, element of surprise is what you'd be thinking about yeah. if it's David Bluff. I can't pick the Lions here I, because I they either. just they look bad right now. Yeah, bad, and if they're on their they're third beat, string quarterback, they're on they're struggling at quarterback. They're beaten up. I got to go with the Bears. I'm going Bears here. as well, even though I don't want to. Bills at Cowboys. Cowboys seven point favorites. The team we're very familiar with. I'm going Buffalo to keep this one close. Yep, I agree with that. And Ryan also agrees with the Bears, and he also thinks the Bills. I, I'd like the Bills to at least cover the seven. Too much defense there for Buffalo. I think this is a 17-13 type of slobber knocker game. Yeah. Be some good old school football. That By far, that is the best matchup on Thanksgiving Day is the it one is. between Buffalo and Dallas. And boy, they really rolled, They got lucky there with Buffalo emerging. Yep, they that was a dice roll did. when they came up with the matchup. It Although was. something they've found out in the NFL over the years and why you've seen some lesser lights playing in the daytime Thanksgiving matchups, some shaky matchups, you think, oh, you know, one year you sent the Raiders down there and they were coming off a bad year. Why would you do that? Well, what the NFL has learned is that on Thanksgiving, people watch regardless of who's playing. Right. Yep. Exactly. So you can... You can send Tampa Bay up to Detroit if you want to on Thanksgiving Day, and yep. you're still going to get an audience. Yep, I agree. And now, Mace, final one, Saints seven-point favorites going into Atlanta to play the Falcons. Well, the Falcons have been a bit froggy at times over the last few games, although they took a step back this past weekend, a, a really a horrendous performance against the Bucks. Well, that's going to be for somebody who... Comment. We actually got some comments about the ringer. <laughs> so that one's for the fans. Yes. I've got to go with the Saints in this one. You're going Saints. I'm going to be different. I need to be different. I am chasing, so I'm going to go Falcons. Give me the seven points. All right, Mace. You are different in every way, shape, and form. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Yes. <laughs> different is good. Different is authentic. <laughs> and you know what's different, Mace? is Breckenridge Brewery, because they make damn good beers all around, and one of the best different beers they make is the Colorado Core, and this thing really is different in the best way possible. It's a little champagne-y, a little apple a little fall, a little beer. It's the perfect combination. This No one can dislike this beer, so it's perfect for tomorrow when you're going over to Thanksgiving, whether you're in 85-degree weather or in 7-degree weather like we're here in Denver because everyone's going to enjoy it. It's a year-round beer. It is so delicious. So make sure you check out Colorado Core, or if you have a a wide taste range of people that you're seeing tomorrow. Why don't you just bring over a Breckenridge sample pack? They have it all. So many delicious beers. So make sure you check them out at this holiday season. And May, speaking of supporting local businesses, you know how we're all about that. And that's why we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming, and we've definitely already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snowplows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snowplow rubber. 
The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades and they even make material that can cut or that can be used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all and you can purchase products for yourself and of course buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. Be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR and make sure you tell them who sent you. All right, Mace, should we check in with the people? Yes, let's talk to the people. Let's first talk with Cole Vassell, who says, hey guys, first, feel bad about the Broncos special teams this year. Look to the Raiders punt return stats. They've totaled negative 11 yards this season returning punts. The NFL lowest record for a season is plus 27 yards by the Cardinals in 1965. Also, what are your thoughts on Teddy Bridgewater if Locke isn't the answer and they don't draft a QB? Thanks for the great content, Mason Zach. Hopefully special guest Ryan makes a cameo today. LOL. <laughs> no, uh, no, Ryan today. I'm sorry about that, Cole. But that's crazy that the Packers are on pace to have the worst return game ever. In that regard, yes. Holy Pond cow, returns. that that is insane. Great stat there, Cole Vosell. Next one coming in from Mile High Magic 94. But no, first of all, he also asked about Teddy Bridgewater. Mm. I'm intrigued by Teddy Bridgewater. I'd rather go truly, truly. I'd young. rather go young. He would be because I, I'd rather save the money. And then look, I'd rather have that money spent elsewhere. If you t- ask me, what are the Broncos' best chances of winning? I would say if it's not Drew Locke, it involves a first-round draft pick at quarterback. You sign Anthony Costanzo at left tackle. You re-sign Justin Simmons. You'd like to re-sign Chris Harris Jr. Although I'm not optimistic. But if not, you bolster the cornerback elsewhere and you don't spend 20 to $25 million a year potentially on Teddy Bridgewater. After the last couple of years, the Broncos have spent premium money on suboptimal, sub-below-average quarterbacking. I'm done with it. I'm, I'm done with it. I want to see this team bolster the rest of the roster Go young at quarterback. Use the skill position players you do have because you've got some explosive guys like Cortland Sutton and Philip Lindsay and Noah Fant. Build the offensive line. Continue working on that defense to get it up to that elite level. It's improved this year. It's But as we've seen the last couple weeks, it's not where you want it to be. But you're getting closer in general, in the big picture, than you were at the start of the year. So work on that and then go young at quarterback. Don't get caught up in spending another $20, $25 million next year for the position. Just stop that. Go young. Live with the bumps. Here's what it is for me. It's get a Hall of Fame quarterback, i.e. Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Maybe Phillip Rivers is in that conversation or go young. With He's the not in that conversation. Phillip be. Rivers is not a Hall of Famer. Uh, no. He's close enough where he's Teddy, a, Teddy Bridgewater and all these other guys aren't even close. So. He's a stat compiler. He he actually, I'll give you a comparison, and it's to a guy who also wore jersey number 17. I think he's a modern-day Jim Hart. And if you are a younger listener, you're probably saying, who the hell is Jim Hart? If you're a boomer or if you're a Gen Xer, 
You, if you're a boomer, you know Jim Hart. You've been following football since the 60s or 70s. If you're a Gen Xer, you might know Jim Hart. He played for the St. Louis Cardinals from 1966 through 1983, then closed out his career as Joe Theismann's backup in Washington. Toward the end of his career, he was a backup, but he was their starter for just about a decade. In fact, one of the reasons why Charlie Johnson came to the Broncos back in 1972 is because the Cardinals were ready to hand the reins to Jim Hart. And they had some successful seasons. He did very well for a time working in Don Coryell's offense back in the mid-'70s. Did well enough to hold on to the job for a long time before Neil Lomax came in midway through the 1981 season. Compiled a lot of stats. He threw 209 touchdowns. He threw for nearly 35,000 yards over the course of his career. Not a Hall of Famer. Didn't really accomplish anything team-wise. Never went to a Super Bowl. Never even went to a conference championship game. Well, Philip Rivers Phil is Br- on a, he's Rivers on a much different thing. level than... Uh, but he's also in this era. I'm saying if Jim Hart played in this era... His numbers would look a lot like Philip Rivers. Sure, but I'm just saying that Philip Rivers, to me, is on a much different tier than Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, all these other veteran quarterbacks, the Case Keenums of the world. Uh, the the um... he is if it's a false sunset that he's having right now, but if this is the legitimate decline, then you want no part of that. Next one coming in from Mile High. You have no argument for that. You have no counter for that. No, I do. We just got to get rolling, Mace. We got, we got to hear from all the people today. Uh, Next one coming in from Mile High Magic you 94. You can't argue that. Uh, it, no, no. Give me Philip Rivers all day. Uh, I don't know how many times I have to say it. I, I would love Philip Rivers. You're uh, the one. <laughs> Mile High Magic 94 says, It really irks me when people act like Elway is incompetent at his job and shouldn't be a GM in this league because he hasn't found a franchise quarterback in four years. A lot of teams get the first overall pick and still can't find a franchise quarterback. It's not as easy as just making a pick. Credit is due to Elway for the solid young core he is putting together on offense and defense. The last two drafts have been great drafts by the Bronx, and I truly believe we are two or three more solid offensive linemen away from having a winning team again. And LOL at the people lashing out on Elway about passing up on Lamar Jackson. Hindsight is always 2020, right? Sorry for the long comment, but at the end of the day, I am a Broncos fan and come here to look at the bright side of things and things to look forward to. But lately, it seems like it's been more trashing Elway and the coaching staff than anything else. And it feels like someone pouring salt in a wound. I think the thing with Elway and Lamar Jackson, that's sort of the launching point here that I want to come from, is that he kind of just dismissed the notion of a Lamar Jackson being a Broncos quarterback. I don't point to Lamar Jackson and say, why didn't the Broncos say Because I knew that that was never That was an not their style never. of quarterback. If I point to anything, it's the fact that they seem to have boxed themselves in to a specific style of quarterback that they want. And it goes to the 2019 combine where John Elway said that Kyler Murray has to operate in the shotgun and then said, well, because he's a shorter quarterback, but then said, I don't really want offenses to operate in the shotgun. I think it works better under center. I think there's a little bit of... I don't want to say closed-mindedness, but having a narrow view of what the quarterback can be, of the possibilities of the position, of what style of quarterback you're looking for. And unfortunately for the Broncos, there are 
very few of those types of quarterbacks coming out because of the way college football has trended, the way the sport in general is trending at all levels. So that's what frustrates me. I think John himself has told you that he's closed-minded. Without saying those words himself, he's looking for something very specific, and if it's not that, he's not going to look at you. And you compare that to, say, the Baltimore Ravens. Ozzie Newsome, now Eric DaCosta, running the show, although Ozzie Newsome is a consultant who's still very involved with things over there. I think everyone's still checking with Ozzie on every big decision. And John Harbaugh is an extension of Ozzie Newsome. And what they are is strategically and tactically flexible. Yep. Don't forget with Ozzie Newsome that he's a branch of the Bill Belichick tree. His first front office job was under Bill Belichick in Cleveland. And then when the Browns moved to Baltimore and became the Ravens, they fired Belichick, but they bumped Ozzie Newsome up. And what is Bill Belichick? He is tactically flexible. He's winning with a defensive-oriented team now. He's won with teams that threw the ball around the yard. He won back in the mid-2000s when Corey Dillon was the best player on their offense, was the power gear that they needed. So he's won and won big with Tom Brady as the constant, but a lot of different styles. And that's one thing I've always pointed to. It's amazing that Bill Belichick throughout the years has done something that other teams don't consistently do, and it's play to your strengths, play to your opponent's weaknesses, change the game plan week in and week out, change your plan year in and year out. It's it's mind-blowing that more teams don't do that. All right, Mason, next one is for you. Oh. Must be our friend, the Count. Yeah, bingo. Pretty sure I heard a landline ringing in the background of the last pod. That is rad. Mace is legit. Missouri Bronco <laughs> then says the landline should become a prop slash segment in the show. Ring in those hot takes. <laughs> then Vic Fangio says, it's the future calling. Time for true. Oh, uh, I wish we could answer that phone and it was John just saying. You're right. You're time. right about everything. That's what time. I'd love to hear. <laughs> How can I change to draft the most dynamic player in this draft? All right, next uh, one coming in from Kentucky UDFA. I heard Mace's love for the Aussie punters two days ago and wanted to get his thoughts on Kentucky's punter, Max Duffy. The man is unbelievable. Also wanted to say I haven't been commenting on this pod due to my frustration level with how the season has gone and don't feel the need to pile on when everything has already been said and asked about. As always, love what you guys do. Go Broncos, go Wildcats, beat Louisville. All right, Max Duffy. Let's talk about him. Oh, boy. He has the very unpunter-like jersey number of 93 for the Kentucky Wildcats. And this kid has a cannon. You know what his per-punt gross average is? What is that? This year, it leads all of FBS. 48.9 yards. Yeah, I'll take it. A punt. I'll take it. An interesting thing, Mace, is... It was 44.8 last year, 48.9 this year. By the way, that 44.8-yard average last year is better than any of Colby Wadman's punting averages at UC Davis. I believe his best was 43.6. And this is another thing to consider. If they don't show otherworldly ability in the college ranks, it's not going to be there in the pros. Well, what Tom McMahon said this last week was very interesting in this regard. He said, you don't get the best punter in the nation coming out of college. You get the one with the biggest leg. So maybe he actually fits both. Yes. 
It, and as long as he has the biggest leg, that's what they care about. This guy has a cannon. Yeah. And one thing about the Broncos' bounty of draft picks for 2020 is this. If they end up with 12 picks in the draft with comp picks and what they've acquired via trade, etc., they then have the luxury, even with a bunch of needs, to use one of those picks on a quality punter. Sure. So it's just something it's just something to think about. Uh, now, of course, Max Duffy, he's a junior. He could come back for another year. But it's time to keep an eye on these punters. And in the last two days, we've talked about two punters that have Australian rules football in their background. Max Duffy from Kentucky, Oscar Bradburn from Virginia Tech. And both of these guys have high potential at the next level. Mace Kentucky UDFA also wants to get your feeling on Lynn Bowden, the receiver from UK. Ooh. In terms of a speed potential guy for the Broncos offense. Well, he had to, he's, as he mentioned, he's played quarterback this year, but uh, he's got potential. And the fact that he's been a quarterback, I kind of like this. You've seen some wide receivers at the NFL level that had quarterback background that were successful in part because they played quarterback and thus had to understand more of the offense than a wide receiver normally would. Great example is Rod Smith. Had a lot of quarterback in his background. Yeah. And Julian Edelman. Yeah. I'd I'd love I'd love to see him. Yeah. I'd love to see him here, and he's got some speed. Yeah, speed to spare, and that's good. That's so he's got so he's got mean. speed. He's got the intelligence to right. absorb an entire offense right. that you have to have at quarterback. I like it. You think long and hard about a guy like yep. that. I like that. Iceman checking in. Hey boys, being retired for a few years now does have its advantages on days like this. Miss Iceman works from home, so on days like this, I'm very grateful for that. Smiley face. We head off for Thanksgiving at 11 a.m. today to Alamosa. Very thankful the snow hit yesterday. Miss RK, give me Justin over Chris if we can only pay one of them. Go Broncos, DNVR, Zoomies, and Mines, and always Breck Brews. I think that's an interesting question maybe for us to take in the round table this weekend. What's that? If you have, if you can pay only Justin Simmons or Chris, Chris Harris Jr., who do you pay? I like it. There's I like one. it. I like yeah. it a lot. Lasagna Lance, this is my obligatory comment to remind all fans attending the game on Sunday to chant, we want Drew, or we want Locke, or unlock <laughs> Drew, if he is not named the starter. Unlock Drew is my favorite. Chanting unlock Drew would be great. It would be great. I just don't know <laughs> yeah. if... You can get that one organized. You know, you would need it on the Jumbotron, but something tells me they're probably not going to play that on the Jumbotron. People got to bring in signs. Yeah. That, you know, if you've had enough Breck brews in the parking lot at our Sons of Mile High tailgate, maybe you're compelled to go shirtless and get the body paint and, you know, get a bunch of your friends and say, Free Drew Lock or Unlock Drew or whatever. <laughs> World of Sucks says, Zach, 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 I've never disagreed with you more. Josh Allen just is not a franchise quarterback. Can't hold the schedule against him? Well, the schedule is not his fault, but it's a big, ugly asterisk next to his name. He's played well, yeah, but he's only done it against the worst teams out there. When you say that he's playing like the second-best quarterback out of the draft class, but yet you'd rather have Darnold or maybe Mayfield, you're actually agreeing with me. You know his performances have been puffed up because of his opposition. You see through the smoke 
and know that he's not a franchise quarterback. Quick side note, there's an underlying important storyline for Sunday's game. If the Chargers win, we will have all but clinched last place in the division. That means next year we will get a matchup against Cincy and Jacksonville rather than teams like Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, or Indianapolis. Losing this pointless game on Sunday could help us get two extra wins next season. No, 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 no. World of suck. The question posed this week. I think we got Zach mad here, by the way. Was Bradley Chubb or Josh Allen? Give me every single quarterback in the first round in that draft over Bradley Chubb. So now we'll have this conversation in the offseason on if you could have one of those guys, maybe outside of Lamar Jackson, because he's just far and above away better than those guys, then that's but when Lamar we have that Jackson never would have become that here. I agree. But Mace, that's when we have that conversation. This was not the conversation this week. Give me every single quarterback, including Josh Rosen, over Bradley Chubb at five. And I'll say it again, Bradley Chubb is excellent. He's phenomenal. He He's amazing. But until you have the quarterback position figured out, if you're in the top five and there's there's quality guys there, which there was with Josh Allen, there was with Josh Rosen, and there certainly was with Lamar Jackson, you got to pick them unless for some reason you hate them all. But turns out they all, or, or a few of those options, would have been good. So that's what I'm saying and that's why I go with Josh Allen because he has, like I said yesterday, I'm not going to detail it all again because it was a pretty damn good argument, I must say, is he is trending in the direction where you cannot say with looking at how he's playing, watching his game, seeing what he did on Sunday, seeing what he done this season. I don't care with the competition. What he's done, the way he's progressing, you cannot say that he is not a franchise quarterback because he's absolutely trending in that direction. Well, I don't want to play the Monday morning quarterback thing here. And look, I did not like Josh Allen coming out. I'm willing to admit I was wrong. I liked Lamar Jackson better than Josh Allen. I wasn't a big Josh Allen guy then either, but now I know what I know. But that being said, they did like Sam Darnold. And whether you're conversation for the off season, Mace, right. Whether you're going (laughs) to, whether you're going to stand pat at five or you have to move up, you're in a much more advantageous position to get the quarterback with a higher draft pick than if you've got a middle round pick. Right. You have more ammunition and draft capital to work with. That was the moment. The Bron- and I and I said this leading up to the draft, the Broncos need to identify a couple of these guys that they like and do whatever it takes to get them. Now, one of them that they identified they liked was Baker Mayfield. They weren't going to get him because Cleveland wouldn't budge. But I still say this thing comes back to the fact that they were slow on the draw and the Jets whipped around them and made the trade up to get the guy that they wanted. The Broncos wanted Sam Darnold too. Yeah, I don't disagree with you so there. You if, do whatever you need to do. Right, and, and standing pat was just not the best option there because then the following year in – a draft with fewer viable quarterbacks. You were picking at 10 and you've rolled the dice on Drew Locke. Now we'll see where he goes. You, you got to get him out there now, I say, but the odds are still not in his favor compared to where he, he compared to Sam Darnold. And thus, let's say the Broncos are picking five and Joe Burrow is there at one. If the Bengals are wavering in any way, if they're open to trading and you love Joe Burrow, you do whatever it takes. Completely agree. Completely agree. That's why I've said you do whatever it takes whatever to get a quarterback. It 
takes. Especially when you're sitting at five and there's viable options there. Mace, I agree. You should have traded up to three. I totally agree. Trade up to two, whatever. It's the most but, important thing. I think that, yes, the point that we do agree take, on, the point we do agree on is that quarterback is so important yep. that you have to overcommit resources to it until you find the guy. You do and anything that you, you need to. And if you looked at that room and said, Case Keenum, Paxton Lynch, Chad Kelly, we're good, then you did it wrong. And that's I don't think there's any debate on that. So you can give me a potential promising franchise quarterback in Josh Allen right now because that's where he's trending. He's promising. You cannot disagree with that. Or you can give me Bradley Chubb, who, like I said, is an exceptional player on the edge. And look how good the Broncos' defense has been without him this year. They've been fantastic. Let me ask you something. If the Broncos had drafted Josh Allen, when would he would he have gotten in the lineup last year? <sighs> Midseason? Maybe after the either one either the loss to Kansas City or the loss to Houston. Sure. Yep. Three and six. Yep. He's in. Where are they this year? What do you mean? Like what's their record if they draft Josh Allen? Oh, they're winning. They're a winning football team. Maybe they're the eight and three team right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised at all. What's interesting, and again, I'll admit I was wrong in my assessment of Josh Allen. Buffalo is winning the way the Broncos want to win. <laughs> yep. They are. That, that yeah. with defense and just enough offense. Yeah. That's the equation. That's what the Broncos wanted to do. Yep. Another what if from Missouri Bronco. Not dogging on Vic, but how different do you think things would be or have turned out if Mike Munchak was head coach right now. Not saying we have a drastically better season, but what specifically would be different? Well, if he's the head coach, are they running this offensive scheme? Yes, because of John Elway. They're forcing that on him. I think so. Now, Munchak does have a background with it because he was O-line coach in Tennessee when Mike Heimerdinger, a former Mike Shanahan assistant was the offensive coordinator. He actually had two stints on the Titans staff as offensive coordinator. I don't think things would be any different. I don't really either. And you also wouldn't have Vic Fangio as your defensive coordinator. It's not like you could have got both of those guys, whereas you could have got both of those guys. But maybe Mike Munchak wouldn't have been on the Joe Flacco train. Maybe. Because remember, Vic Fangio was around Joe Flacco in Baltimore when he was younger. Pretty, just something I'm always going to come back to is on Monday, Vic says, uh, Monday in the offseason, Vic says, we don't want Band-Aids. We're not going to do this with Band-Aids. Wednesday they trade for Joe Flacco. (laughs) About the biggest Band-Aid possible. He came to Team (laughs) Band-Aid because they've been going Band-Aid at quarterback ever since they realized that Paxton Lynch wasn't the guy. Yeah. Yeah, and Mace, I know we disagree on specifically, you know, a few things here, and some some commenters are certainly disagreeing with me, but one thing we can all agree on is that joining this awesome family is a win, win, win. And we want you guys, we want all of you to be on this family for so that everyone's winning all the way around. And how can you do that? Well, you can help us out with this competition that is quickly coming to an end very soon. I mean, we're probably talking hours until this is over. Use the code Zach, Z-A-C, Mace, M-A-S-E, or R-K even. If you want to help the Broncos beat out, help us out individually, and what do you get? You get to join this wonderful community. You get to comment exclusively on all of these pods, have your comments read and questions read by us. You also... Get all of the access on the DNVR.com of every single sport that we cover, which is growing, growing, growing. And 
you get a t-shirt of your choice, and you get to help Mason and I. You directly support us when you join us, so we'd really, really appreciate it if you joined us and supported local journalism. And speaking of supporting things that are good for you, Taking care of your teeth is very important, and I know you guys know that. And our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. I got to take this one. From Chris Carpaccio, <laughs> because it's simple. <laughs> 75! <laughs> and there's about 12 exclamation marks, and Mace, I think you hit them all. <laughs> I did. Oh, man, I'm glad we're keeping that alive. What a way to come back from break. Yes. Love Thunder Down Under, who told us his great 75 yes. banking boardroom story, <laughs> yes. says this. So I listened to the Neutral Zone pod yesterday. But why? <laughs> yes, we weren't, we weren't enough. You didn't just want to replay us? They should call it stuck in neutral. Plenty of noise without actually achieving anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you've made Mace lose it. Uh, you tickled me right in, in the correct spot. You scratched me where I itched there. Anywho, as a former corporate shill, Mace. Oh, God. Oh, man, I hate that. That's how I was thought of. <laughs> Is there any truth to the idea that Bronco-owned media channels would be subtle in releasing information coming down the pipe? They seemed very chatty on Drew Locke starting this week without being overly speculative in how they discussed it. By the time you read this, we may be there. Locke's giving a holiday celebrate all over the world and one of the few holidays that actually prevents people from cooking their own heads in microwaves. Yikes, that dude went far on that. <laughs> Side note, was there a weird ghostly overlay by RK at a touch over an hour into the pod Tuesday at about one eleven in? Do you know what he's talking about? No. Um, I'll have to check that out. Huh. A ghostly overlay. Is that a good thing? A bad thing? Creepy thing? Spooky thing? Maybe. <laughs> but that's a good question. And I can tell you this. They will use their media channels to sometimes test the reaction from the public yeah but also to get a message out and even further than that um sometimes if they're trying to hide a player in training camp that they want to get to the practice squad the word will come down hey don't write about this guy i would sometimes right. get that when i was saying oh this player was doing well and i'd hear like nope trying to slide that guy through on the one hand i thought okay well i guess i see i i know what i'm watching right but right the other hand it's it was kind of frustrating because it meant that you could be you had to be less than honest yeah. and i'm not a good liar and sometimes in that role you don't have to lie i i make sure that i wasn't lying about anything but i did tell people that in my statements and in what i wrote and in my on my twitter feed that you could tell what I thought by what I didn't say. Ah, uh, now you don't have to do that, Mace. I know. We get Mace unleashed. Unleashed, unfiltered. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Mace. it's much better. It's, oh, I, I, I wake up in the morning feeling <laughs> free and easy. I'm not wearing a flat jacket around me. Yeah. And Mace, we're sitting here at 1021 a.m. right now, and we still not have had word on a starting quarterback, which... 
makes me hesitate on if they're going to name one today. It is because, you know, team meetings start around 9. I would think if there was a major quarterback change, Vic Fangio would have announced it and we would know by now. So that's it's interesting. Something to keep an eye on. Or maybe it's simply about they're going to work both quarterbacks. Maybe right. we're going to find out from Vic Fangio that the reps are going to be divided between right. Brandon Allen and Drew Locke. And that's what I mean. We're not going to find out today, potentially. And it's going to be maybe the possibility of a quick hook. Oh, boy. Maybe once fans start chanting, <laughs> oh, free Drew Locke or unlock Drew. Or... Well, it'll happen right when they announce Brandon Allen as a starting quarterback and he runs out of the tunnel. <laughs> I think you're announcing the defense for this game. <laughs> I think so, even if you announce the defense last game. But wouldn't that be something? Actually, if you want yeah. the most theatric yeah. moment. Yeah. The most theatric moment would be if you say, at quarterback, and you haven't announced it, from Missouri, number three, Drew Locke, the place would go nuts. But the problem is, you'd still have the no-shows. Right, because you wouldn't have announced it before. Yeah. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. I'm going to have to disagree with y'all that Chris would be the number one corner on the free agent market, assuming all expected free agents at the market. I think Byron Jones takes that title. There's one guy that I have my eye on as a possible replacement, James Bradbury from Cal- from Carolina. Definitely not a household name, but has good size and length. Very comfortable in red zone co- in zone coverage after playing in Ron Rivera's defense the past three years. He has had some great matchups against Julio, uh, Mike Evans, and Michael Thomas over the years, so is comfortable defending bigger receivers. And a former college teammate of Kelvin McKnight and Amon Gooden, if that counts for anything. Just another quick thing about Juwan James. I know the buck stops with Elway, but shouldn't Chris Cooper take some responsibility as his former assistant position coach? And going back even further to 2017, VJ was obviously familiar with him as a Dolphins defensive coordinator, but they still had a trade in place for him. So two separate coaching staffs have presumably given Elway the all clear on his work ethic and mental makeup. It's easy to criticize Elway as being rigid and not being on board with other people's input, but it seems like he may have trusted the wrong people on this one. Well, I think the thing on Jawan James as interesting. He was a guy the Broncos were starting to look at and monitor before Chris Cooper came aboard. So Chris Cooper, I don't think, had a big influence on that decision. I think he just kind of told him his observations, probably said, hey, you know what? He has this sort of potential, but here's what you have to watch out for, and that was it. But they were really in on Jawan James for a while before they end up getting him. That that, and that's what's interesting. Sometimes these free agent moves, they've honed in on guys they want, even in October and November of the previous year. Because yeah. of course the scouting process it never really stops and you're all, always kind of planning ahead and that's what you have pro scouts for and you didn't have Chris Cooper last November right on your staff so I don't think it's one of those things where I don't think Chris Cooper had a lot of influence there I think Chris Cooper has more influence on you know back of the roster guys right that may have popped through Miami for a little bit for as example. an assistant yes you know line coach would wouldn't right. have the huge say Dexter. I remember November and December be the witching hour of football, to borrow the phrase from NFL Red Zone, where seasons were won and lost and playoffs were decided. The Broncos have become more exciting in the offseason than in the regular season because their seasons are over by week five. Only this pot and the nuggets keep me tied to Denver sports while the world of suck is active. Well, thank you for riding with us, even as yes. the Broncos struggle. Yes. But what you described 
is the life of the Cleveland Browns fan and even the life of the media covering them. One thing from talking with Cleveland area media that cover the Browns, they've mentioned that over the years, their calendars take on a little bit of a different pattern in terms of fan interest and avidity that November and December, it falls off because the team is out of the race. But then you get to January, you start going down and talking about the draft. You go down to the Senior Bowl, on through the Combine, and in the draft season and free agent season, that's when it picks up. For them, their season is really from mid-January to the end of April. Yep. And frankly, I've noticed the same thing here the last couple of seasons. There's been a lot more interest, discussion, passion about the team. Yep as you get into the off season, then in the last couple months of the regular season. Now, as we've said, what changes that for this year is if you play Drew Locke. It absolutely does. I love the off season. We can go off the rails. We can talk about which quarterback in the 2018 draft class you would take your, you, you would have taken, but you can also talk about the bachelor. <laughs> exactly. But Ho- I'll, hopefully I'll, not. Let's, well, hopefully let's, not. Let's watch I, that. I like to <laughs> squelch that in the butt if I can. <laughs> I'm on, I'm on board with you there. And, but Mace, I really want to be having the most exciting part of the season be November and December. I, I completely, completely agree with with uh, with Dexter on that one. All right, next one coming in from Bronco Gator eighty seven. Hey guys, haven't commented in a while. Sorry to hear about your weather conditions there in Denver. Wish some of my friends would realize how great we have it here in Gainesville, Florida, and stop complaining that it's cold while it's in the fifties. True story. When I lived in Fort Lauderdale. I had the TV on at my desk at the office and it's the news at noon and you see these huge graphics and this booming voice, Arctic Blast 02. (laughs) It was 59 degrees. Oh my gosh, an Arctic Blast. Everyone had their Uggs out, I'm sure. They showed people in parkas. Oh my gosh. Oh, people are bundled up down at the beach. Yeah, it's 59 degrees. Come on. Wow. Anyway, had a question comment about young quarterbacks in the league and what it takes to be a franchise quarterback. How many seasons does it take to know if you have a franchise quarterback under center? I asked because just a season or two ago, people, media and analysts, were in love with Goff and Wentz. Now they are all questioning whether or not their team should have paid them as franchise quarterbacks. I'm even starting to hear the doubters of Mahomes, Watson, and Baker. And I know that Trubisky was drafted too high, but they absolutely have no one doing anything on offense this season. Sometimes I wonder if they forget this is a team sport, and it is extremely rare to find a Peyton Manning who will give you a guaranteed double-digit win season. This is what I fear for Locke, or for whatever young quarterback that becomes the Broncos' next franchise quarterback. Thoughts, gentlemen, from Bronco Gator. I think you know after a couple of years. And you look at broader trends. I would say, for example, like with Carson Wentz. The knee injury is kind of the pivot point. And I wonder with Carson Wentz post-knee injury if his outcome is going to be more like Carson Palmer. Remember Carson Palmer, the first couple of years as a starter, looked like, he could be an all-timer. Yep. And then the Bengals win the AFC North, get into the wild card round. They play Pittsburgh, and Kimo Von Olhoff, and he hits him in the backfield. He tears his ACL. Carson Wentz was good after that, was very good for a stretch in Arizona, but never really got back to that 
level and that potential. Yeah. And I point. wonder if that's what's happened with Carson Wentz. It doesn't mean he can't be an effective starter, but in that 2017 season before he got hurt, Carson Wentz looked like he could be the greatest quarterback in Philadelphia Eagles history, Yep, which is long. And they've had some pretty good quarterbacks over the years. Ron Jaworski got him to a Super Bowl. Donovan McNabb has jersey retired, got him to a Super Bowl. Randall Cunningham had a great career. Looked like he could be better than all those guys. Maybe the best they'd had, I'd say even better than Norm Van Brocklin. They won a title with him way back. Yeah, Bronco Gator. I think it's actually a really good point. You brought up some very interesting names. But who are but, the doubters of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I have Where no am idea. I hearing those? I have no idea. That's I, I, don't, was, I was going to excuse those because I don't, I don't buy into that. I get the doubters on Baker Mayfield, although I think those doubters are going to be quiet if they move on from Freddie Kitchens and hire Mike McCarthy, as they probably should have done last year. Let's say three full seasons. You absolutely know. Now, the thing with Jared Goff, I never fully believed in him. I thought he was drafted too high. Even when he had that crazy season, what was it, last year, two years ago? I, I was still skeptical. I would have never given him that contract. I think Vic Fangio's defense broke him. Ah, yeah. He hasn't been the same since that night. Yeah. Vic, on Sunday Night Football with the Chicago Bears, put forth the game plan that we've seen mimicked in the year to follow. Bill Belichick followed the Vic Fangio game plan. Yep. Yep, and Mace, and with Carson Wentz, you can't project injuries, but I think Mace makes a really good point that that could have been what derailed him. All right, next one coming in from Thick Fangio. RK, I feel about gravy, how you feel about cranberry sauce. It makes or breaks the meal because it goes on everything except the mac and cheese. I don't know if you're putting gravy on, say, sweet potato casserole. (laughs) But gravy on a roll, gravy on potatoes... Gravy even on some vegetables. Mm, now, we're, now we're talking. Why not? This team has had all the kinds of bad gravy with Joe Flacco, VJ, etc. Do you think the Drew Locke balling out would be the gravy this Thanksgiving meal so desperately needs or just a very delicious mac and cheese that can't save the travesty happening around him? I love it. I if love he it. does well. Oh, if he does well, it's it. It's your he's the gravy. Sausage, he's gravy. the gravy and the turkey and the potatoes and he's everything. The he's the wine. He's the Breck beer. He's the pumpkin pie <laughs> with the Cool Whip on top. By the way, are you Cool Whip or whipped cream on your pie? I've never had Cool Whip on a pie. Oh, man. <laughs> In the words of Stewie Griffin, you can't have a pie without Cool Whip. <laughs> say Whip. Whip. Now say Cool Whip. Cool Whip. <laughs> Why are you emphasizing the H? <laughs> Cool Whip. <laughs> I I can't have a pie without Cool Whip. <laughs> I assume you're having some Cool Whip. There's two tubs of oh. it in my fridge <laughs> upstairs. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Next one from Aquaman. If and when Locke is named the starter, let's hope Broncos Nation is patient with him. Welcome to Bronco Land. <laughs> <laughs> As a true rookie on a bad NFL team, what do you feel are realistic expectations for Locke? What would you consider a good start to a successful career? Can he do anything, or can anything he does this year make you not want him to start next year? Yeah, if he comes out and plays like Ryan Finley. And if we hear from teammates that they're kind of losing confidence in him. Yeah, and if he loses confidence in himself. But if he shows that same resilience and unflappable swagger that he showed at the University of Missouri. I mean, really, the only time that I sensed any doubt in Drew Locke was the second half of that Kentucky game last year, and he responded one week later by torching Florida in Gainesville. Yeah. I'm sure Bronco Gator above remembers that. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was the moment where you thought, okay, he finally got that win over a top 25 team. He did it on the road. Maybe there's something there. If that's the sort of response that he has to adversity, I'll feel pretty good. Yeah, I agree, Mace. The real links. Hey, guys, been a while since I commented. You see what I did there? (laughs) You ought to bring back the city shout-out, but instead of always doing one city, throw out a few big towns and small cities. That's all. Hoping for Drew Locke's return soon, but prepare for the Broncos to not start him and trade for Mitchell Trubisky, saying that the Bears didn't give him enough to succeed now he's entering his prime. You guys are awesome. Keep up the great work. You are awesome, the real links. I don't think the Broncos trade for Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, please no. No. No! No part of that That's at how all. I'd feel. As for some shout-outs, okay. Let's give some random shout-outs ah. here, okay? And these are just towns that are popping in my head. Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> Richmond, Virginia, my birthplace. There we go. I'm pretty sure we got some Virginians listening yep. to this podcast. Anywhere in Yorkshire in England. Love it. You know, I'm thankful for my family. Close my my heart. mom is from Yorkshire and Bradford, so let me hear you. Yorkshire. I <laughs> love it. And here, let, let's hear those on Thanksgiving. Shout out to us. And Mace, I think the last one coming in from Wilma Fingerdoo. That's a hell of a name. It is a heck of a name. Hey, fellas, first time commenting. My question is, how did Locke look at the Senior Bowl compared to the guys drafted the year before? Mallon at Mayfield, Allen. Not asking for a projection, just what you saw those practices and during the game. Thanks, guys. Go Broncos. Okay. This is what I thought of Drew Locke. I said he's the best quarterback in Mobile. But I thought he was behind both... Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen from he, the year before. He was definitely behind Baker and jo- Josh Allen had a very good week at the Senior Bowl. He got better. The thing that you were encouraged by with Josh Allen that week is his day-to-day improvement. Baker Mayfield, he just I mean he had swagger. He, you know, rolls out of the car, gets sued up for practice and then just sizzles all over the field. <laughs> yep. I mean, I, I uh, amazing people who people who listened to the radio station on which I was on probably recall that I had a full on man crush on Baker Mayfield. By the way, my parents in town for Thanksgiving, my mother and I were talking about Baker Mayfield because she knew how much I liked him, and she said, "You know, there's some things I'm seeing that aren't you know aren't too good about him." And I said, "Okay, well, you saw the thing where he walked out of the press conference." Yeah. And then I explained to her the story of Tony Grossi saying that he would leave the business, retire if the Broncos drafted Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and they did. Uh, uh, and yet he's still hanging around. Yep. So I said, with that particular reporter, I'm all in with Baker. I'm com- I understand <laughs> right. exactly where he's coming yep. from. Yep. The other thing is this. Baker Mayfield never forgets a slight. No. He certainly, and he makes it known that he never forgets. I'm not saying this is the best attribute, but I'm also saying this is how I am. Mm. I completely relate to Baker Mayfield in this regard. I use that sort of thing as motivational fuel. Mace, I've never said anything bad about you, and I never will. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I think you just got a little afraid there. I, you, you, you trembled a little bit. You pretty much just said, I listen to everything you say and will remember anything bad said about you. <laughs> you know, maybe this is why I had a 
employee performance review that said I was intimidating. <laughs> well, certainly, I don't think that was here at the DNVR. No, no. It's happened in the past, though. So, Mace, I'll leave you with this. I hope you have the best Thanksgiving, a better Thanksgiving than anyone out there. You're lovely. I'm so happy to be rolling with you. But in all, in all honesty, Mace, no. love rolling with you today. Likewise. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to be down at Broncos headquarters today to give you the updates of everything that goes on. And just to kind of give you a scheduling update, we will not be podcasting on Thanksgiving. So you may be hearing us as you go about your Thanksgiving routine. Maybe you're out for a post meal walk wherever you are something that i think is very wise yes. to do it's something i will do uh, even with the cold weather here uh on thursday afternoon thursday evening but we will be rolling with you on friday yep. we'll be back to talk about the game about where things stand with drew lock yep. our predictions for the weekend maybe even talk a little college football because it's a massive college football weekend yep. as well massive for some draft prospects yep games all over the map so plenty to disseminate as we come back on friday but zach you have a great thanksgiving as well hope it's a terrific day terrific meal and all of you out there we are thankful for each and every one of you for letting us join you as part of your daily journey whether you listen to us in the car you're working out relaxing as you fall asleep we're grateful for all of you it's, for riding with us here on the DMVR Broncos podcast. It's really true. We're so thankful for you guys every single day, like I say, when we sign off. And thank you so much for rolling with us. Have a fantastic time with friends, family tomorrow. I hope you eat too much. I hope you have some delicious beverages, maybe a breath brew or two. And just have a great time. Be safe. We'll talk to you on Friday. Have a happy, happy Thanksgiving. because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. 
Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have refer people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. 